Just give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good afternoon and good evening wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face, ladies and gentlemen. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. If you like something that you're listening to, share us, tweet at us, connect with me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen or HH Talk Radio or tweet at us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Alrighty then, let's get to it. We are talking about cravings around here. Some of our most popular and fun shows are those that deal with food and sex and lust and all of those things that make us feel good and give us pleasure. But sometimes those areas of our lives can also give us some challenges. And with me in the studio today to talk about cravings is Alex Jameson. Alex is an original hipster. She grew up on an old organic farm outside Portland, Oregon. She loves roller skating, decaf bulletproof coffee, and playing Monty Python, Monty Python songs on her ukulele. <laughs> Alexander Jameson is a best-selling author, a functional nutritious and cleanse coach, professionally trained healthy gourmet chef, and a cravings whisperer. And of late, she has received her certification in applied positive psychology. She's been seen on Oprah, The Today Show, Dr. Oz, Martha Stewart, Living, CNN, Fox News, USA Today, and People. Alex delivers inspirational keynote speeches and workshops around the globe and was declared Elle Magazine's coach for January 2015. Alex was also the co-star and co-creator of the Oscar-nominated documentary film Supersize Me and The Great American Detox diet. She offers remarkably sane and tasty advice on how to live 
remarkably well, feel fantastic, and detox. Her newest book is Women, Food, and Desire, which is a number one hit on Amazon and on several other lists, including popular psychology uh, on sexuality. Welcome, Alex. Hello. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. What a great intro. You, girl, have got your finger on the pulse of what's happening. (laughs) Well, you know, I think being raised by an artist mother and a high school principal father, they encouraged me to just go after what I was interested in. And it's always been really interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, let's talk about cravings, you know, the constant cravings and longings that we all possess in the food realm and in the life realm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, cravings are so misunderstood. And when I was first introduced to positive psychology about a year and a half ago, I loved the idea that we had permission to be human. And when, when I first heard that idea, I thought, oh, my gosh, that's what I've been doing with cravings. I just didn't have the language around it. You know, we're, we're craving beings. We desire. We want. We want a lot in this life. But we've been trained out of thinking that the things that we want, the things that we desire or crave are good. We think that we're bad. We feel guilty for the things that we want. We feel shameful for the things that we want. And for women especially, but I know this affects men as well, we start to get in a war with our cravings and desires and our bodies so that everything we want becomes a battle and we just end up kind of miserable. So my work has really been around nutrition and food and physical health for so long. But in the last several years, because of my own personal experience, my own personal journey, and then working with hundreds of women, I started to realize we can't just talk about nutrition for health. We have to talk about why we eat, not just what we eat. So that really led me into this world of cravings and helping people get comfortable with and looking at what their body was asking for. I think you make a very good point about cravings and what the body asks for and also how it relates to what the heart and soul ask for. Um, You know, so much of what drives our impulses, I believe, and in my own personal journey experience and then working with people as well in my own practice, is, um, you know, the the, the feeding our hungry hearts. You know, it's not just about Mm. the nutrition. Yeah, you know, I've in Women, Food, and Desire, my new book, I talk about the four root causes of cravings. The first is bacterial, and then there's nutritional, and then there's emotional and physical. Now, most diet books, health books, doctors, even the really good doctors, like the functional nutrition doctors, you know, they tend to focus on one specific area. We are a world of specialists. But the human body is so nuanced. And we eat because we have a lot of bacteria in our body. You know, our body is nine to ten times more bacterial and yeast cells than it is human cells. And they communicate with us via the vagus nerve. They create neurotransmitters and they crave. (laughs) Those little suckers are part of our team 
And if we have an overgrowth of certain yeasts or bacteria like candida, they will crave sugar. And I used to jokingly call them the beast within or the puppet master. And now science is catching up with that idea. They are kind of running the show sometimes. So they'll cause us to crave certain foods. And then there's nutritional cravings, which are good. You know, you get hungry for something, you eat. You get thirsty, you drink water. You know, I think nutritional cravings aren't quite understood as well. Um, But I believe your body is actually asking for nutrients and minerals. And a lot of us are overfed and undernourished. So we keep eating and eating because we're not getting the nutrient-rich diet that we really need. So if we start adding in more really nutritious foods, then we won't be eating as much because the body is getting what it needs to operate. And then as you just said, we have emotional cravings. We, you know, as I learned in positive, my positive psych classes, the part of the brain that lights up when we feel lonely is the same part that lights up when we feel physical pain. So loneliness feels really bad. Anxiety, sadness, anger, frustration, all these things have a physical manifestation. And your body, in its wisdom, and I believe this, your body is so wise, it's just trying to help you feel better all the time. It will reach for the easiest comfort, the easiest mode to get to feel better. And usually that's food because a lot of us aren't trained in stress reduction techniques. A lot of us don't get enough touch. A lot of us don't have other options or ways to deal with the emotions that are coming up. And then there's the physical cravings. And that's my favorite part to talk about, that we are physical creatures and we need a lot of touch, a lot of physical pleasure, and a lot of play to feel like whole, happy, healthy humans. Otherwise, we will go to food to try to get those same sensations. Oh, I'm going to jump right in for a second because I think you make a very, very important point in that if we are able to tune into what's going on with our bodies, with our minds, with our emotions, and be more intuitive about what our needs are, it seems to me that we can automatically begin to strike a better balance once we learn to trust our guts. And this is something that we forget to do. You know, life is very, very busy and we're given so many messages by Mm -hmm. how we're raised, the environment in which we live, the media. Everyone is giving us an image of what we should be like that we forget to listen to the one true guide. It's true. And, And how would we ever learn how to listen to our bodies? Our parents weren't taught how to do that. So how would they know how to model that for us? I was just talking with someone about the clean plate club. You know, as kids, (laughs) most of us are encouraged to eat what we're given. And I remember as a kid not being hungry or being full and still being, you know, I had to sit at the table until I was done. So over time, those small messages take us out of connection with our body. We stop listening to our body. In fact, our body comes second place to other people's desires and wishes and intentions and rules for us. That's just one example. As you were saying, the media messages, the societal messages about what our bodies are supposed to do and feel like and look like are so strong, so pervasive that we almost have no chance 
to have a healthy relationship-centered, connected relationship to our bodies. So we have a bit of work to do to help people, adults, learn how to do this so that we can then raise our children to be in connection with their bodies. We are going to go to a break, and when we return, we're going to carry on the conversation with Alex Jameson about her newest book, Women, Food, and Desire, which is a hit on Amazon. So run on over there and and buy it and have a look. To learn more about Alex Jameson, please visit www.alexandrajameson.com and on Facebook, Alexandra Jameson fan page. And on Twitter, she is at delicious. Alex. Here come those tunes. We will be right back. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on t-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Love is in the air, in the whisper of the tree. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this podcast and share it. Why? Because sharing is caring and we love sharing good stuff, especially stuff that is kind, free, legal, and available 24-7. We are talking with Alex Jamison today about cravings and her newest book, Women, Food, and and desire. So Alex, let's get to the really juicy bits about this. Let's talk about the relationship of food and our sexuality and perhaps ways that we might be bypassing what we truly desire and substituting what we are eating. Mm-hmm. Well, as I like to say, food and sex can be, and I think should be, two of the most pleasurable, awesome things about being a human, right? They are two of the most common ways that we feel the pleasurable sensations. And we are physical creatures. We forget because we live in our heads so much. But our bodies are designed, they are pleasure-seeking machines, and they just want to feel good. Well, I have seen over the years of working with thousands of women as 
coaching clients and in my online cleanses that we have such a disconnect between our bodies, our desires for pleasure and joy, and what we think we deserve. And it's also very challenging to begin to accept pleasure into our bodies and into our lives because from a very young age, we're also taught that sex is dangerous and sex is scary. And if you, little girl, are too sexy or touch your body in certain ways, you're a bad girl. And if you act like that, then you deserve whatever you get. So it's really challenging to grow up and and have a healthy relationship, not just with food, but with our sexual selves, with our desires for physical pleasure. So just about the same age that we're taught to be a member of the Clean Plate Club, we're also taught that sex is dangerous. And if sex becomes dangerous, then food becomes our safe sex because it's the easiest, cheapest, most legal option to bringing pleasure into our bodies. Now, the human body, again, I I said it was a pleasure-seeking machine. If you think about it, every orifice that we have, you know, eyes, nose, ears, mouth, all of our orifices, (laughs) they have pleasurable sensations attached to them. I mean, thinking about taking a Q-tip in your ear and cleaning your ear, it's like, oh, it's into chills. <laughs> it's so, it feels so good. Well, every orifice in our body feels good when we put things in it and wiggle it around. And if one of our holes is not getting attention and pleasure, then the other ones are going to have to make up for it. So we've got all these layers of shame and discomfort when we talk about sex and what feels good to us. So we just go for the easy thing that's acceptable, which is the chocolate cake. And a good chocolate cake. Let's not poo-poo a good chocolate cake. I don't think either of us are saying that, but I think what we <laughs> what we are not. saying is, is we're denying ourselves some of the greatest and most um, lovely pleasures. Yes. And as you know, we need human touch. Humans and all animals, all mammals need touch to be healthy. There are studies showing you know, baby mammals being removed from their litter or even babies, human babies um, not getting enough touch and attention, they will not thrive, they will not put on weight, and they will develop emotional problems later on. So, you know, kangaroo care was something that was developed in the last generation where babies that are born prematurely and are underweight, they now put those babies, they take them out of the isolate, they put it skin to skin, naked on a human chest, on an adult. And those babies, when they get touch, when they get lots of physical attention, they put on more weight, they thrive, their lungs develop, they grow into healthy, happy children. Well, we forget human adults need touch too. We need lots of touch. Some scientists say we need, what, eight to ten hugs a day of at least eight seconds in duration. How many hugs are you getting a day? Are they long enough? Are you asking for foot rubs, for massages? And if you're single, are you getting professional massages? Are you masturbating? Are you giving your body the physical pleasure that you actually need, vitamin T, vitamin touch, to thrive and feel well? If not, then food will be your only option for pleasure. 
I love what you just said, vitamin T. And in fact, you know, so many of the clients that I work with who, um, the ones who are single or perhaps there is um, strife in their relationships, they are not getting this touch. And I think the statistic is that after six minutes, it takes six, six seconds rather of hugging to begin to release dopamine in the brain, which is that feel-good hormone that makes us, Mm -hmm. you know, feel pleasured. So I think that this touch thing, especially when we are working through stuff and trying to get ourselves um, healthy physically, emotionally, nutritionally, when there is not that sexuality in partnership or even sexuality with self, it's essential. It's really essential. It is. It's absolutely essential. And what's interesting is not we don't just get the dopamine. We also get oxytocin, which is the bonding and love hormone. Well, we do get that from our dogs. We do get that when we play with our dogs, which is why people feel so you know, familial. They feel so attached to their dogs. We get the same oxytocin hit from our canine friends. We don't get it from cats. We do get it from our dogs. I think that's maybe why we have so many dogs as pets in this country, because we're touch starved and it's easier to play with your dog than to ask for a hug. It feels less vulnerable. Mm, And maybe that's part of the cure too. that, you know, to, to dare to ask for what we need, which I believe this is really part of the message that you're sharing, that by tapping into our cravings, to listening to our bodies, to declare what we need and then give that to ourselves is, is part of the cure. It is, it is essential for having a new relationship with your body. It's essential that you get vulnerable with support. Don't do it alone. Find a friend, find a coach, find a group that's going to help you and feel like you're in a a non-judgmental place for discovery where you can really name your desires and your cravings and examine them and then declare them and then do them. You know, it's not enough just to find out what you want. You have to begin to act on it and bring it into your life. And again, I, I feel like we do feel disconnected. We need people in our lives. I love that saying about positive psychology that you can boil it down to three words. Other people matter, right? It's not just like, yeah, other people matter. I care about them. But the people in my life, I am them. We mirror each other. We need to hang out with people who are going to support us and encourage us to be who we really are and find out, you know, go into your quirks. What are your quirks? Like, you know, do you, do you have something inside you that needs to come out creatively? We're not sure. But back to the physical part, let's, you know, let's take the shame away from physical pleasure. Let's remove that veil of shame. I always encourage my clients who are dealing with um, digestive disorders or any kind of belly fat that they just can't get rid of, which is usually stress-related or some kind of bacterial imbalance, Like, we need to bring pleasure to that part of your body. I take my clients to really good, clean, well-lit places for sex toys, like Good Vibrations on the West Coast or Babeland on the East Coast. Let's go get you a great non-toxic vibrator, some non-toxic lube. You go home and play with this every day for a few minutes or a half an hour. Bring pleasure into your body. Get comfortable in the comfort of your own home, exploring what your body is capable of. Not only will it balance your hormones so you feel a lot better, but it'll help enliven you and help you feel that, yes, I deserve to feel good in every way, not just at the buffet. 
You know, you make a very good point, which makes me think of the concept of release. You know, when we're talking about human sexuality and having a physical release, when we allow ourselves the gift of this, are we not getting to the core of what it is that we are doing oppositely with food? Absolutely. We are really exploring the depths of pleasure in a way that doesn't require any external inputs. You know, it's all about what your body is capable of, and it's a lot. You know, women especially, I can't speak for men because I've never been one, but women are capable <laughs> of a lot of pleasure. And I think that once you start to explore that and feel it and not feel ashamed about it, then chocolate cake Yes, as wonderful as it is and as much as I enjoy it, I know that sex is just as good, if not better, in most cases. And when I have a menu of pleasurable experiences in my life, I don't just go for dessert anymore or the cheese plate or the bottle of wine at the end of the night. Like, wow, I've got creative pursuits. I have friends. I have nature. I have sexual pleasure and desire. And that is a full, well-rounded, healthy, happy life. And again, like you said, it's not about the happy face on the yellow ball. It's about feeling whole as a person. And this, this, this concept of pleasure by tuning in, you know, or receiving pleasure and giving pleasure by tuning in, being connected, being interdependent, if you will. Um, we are almost out of time, Alex. I, I can't believe it. We have flown through the, the, this <laughs> this segment. Wow. Well, that means we'll have to do more at another time. <laughs> um, I, wanted to give you, I want to give you your contact information again. Once again, the newest book is Women, Food, and Desire. It's a number one hit on Amazon, as well as several other places. Popular Psychology it is the new release, uh, number one new release in spirituality and self-help on Amazon as well. You've got a blog at your website where you um, take readers on a journey to embrace their cravings as their allies to make peace with food and heal and reclaim their body. And I think that is the most important part, is to reclaim your body, to um, to stand up to um, your dreams, your pleasures, and desire. To learn more, please visit www.alexandrajameson.com. On Facebook, that's Alexandra Jameson fan page. And on Twitter, at Delicious Alex. Well, Alex, you have been a delicious delight this morning. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Saturday afternoons on 97.5. Joy riding the coast with a global vibe. 
pleasing your ears and inspiring your mind. Joy Riding the Coast with me, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, Saturdays 2 to 5 on 97.5 KBU and RadioMalibu.net. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about cravings and desire. And my next guest is Nina Hartley. She is an adult film actress and director, sex educator, sex positive feminist, and author. Nina is the ultimate MILF. And for those of you who do not know what that means, I urge you to Google it because we are staying clean here today on harvesting happiness. She's a gal who was hot back in the 1970s and is still smoking hot today and just as oversexed. Since she has gone on to feature in over 650 first-run adult films and has become one of the most enduring and recognizable performers in the industry. She has won the most uh, AVN awards of any star in history and was the first starlet to cross over to quote-unquote real acting with a part in the film Boogie Nights. Boy, Nina, we are dating ourselves with that one. <laughs> in 2006. Huh? And we certainly are. We certainly are. Oh, my. In 2006, she published her first book, Nina Hartley's Guide to Total Sex. Hartley serves on the board of directors of the Woodhull Sexual Freedom Alliance, which is an organization whose mission is to affirm sexual freedom as a fundamental human right. Welcome, Nina. Thanks for joining us on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's taken us a long time, but we are here, and I am eager to find out from you, as a sex educator, what do most people crave when it comes to sex? I think most people crave acceptance and the and to do, and to feel comfortable within their own skins. Um, mm. And two very difficult things to find. Certainly, the being comfortable in your own skin is a personal journey that everyone needs to undertake on their own. And as much help and support as we can get from other people in that in that process, ultimately, becoming comfortable in my skin is my job. Therapy, journaling, whatever you got to do, you do it. And until I can be comfortable by myself in a room with a mirror and, and good lighting. Um, and it, and, that, and once, once, we start, once we start from a, a foundation of I feel comfortable in my skin, then many more things are possible and we free up a lot of psychic energy. 
I couldn't agree with you more. And I think it's important for some of our listeners to know of your earlier background besides the film industry that you are, worked in healthcare. I mean, you're a nurse by your formal education. Yes. Is that correct? I I do. I have my Bachelor of Science degree in nursing. I was going to be a midwife, another body-based um, activity. Um, and I tell people always that in our culture, sexuality is sick, and sick people need a nurse's care. And a nurse's job is to role model, to um, advocate, and to educate. And so uh, sexual ignorance leads to real suffering. Sexual ignorance leads to real pain, real isolation real damage, and um, my my gig is sex. Um, if it was something else, I would be a, a therapist. I'd be some other kind of healer, but sexuality is really near and dear to my heart. And what I love about what you've just shared is about stepping into our own skin, being at home within ourselves, that when we talk about sex, we're not really talking about the physical release. While that is lovely and wonderful and fun and very, very satisfying, I think when we talk about the the heart of our sexuality, it is what you talk about, you know, feeling understood, heard, communicated, connected, um, at home, in, in, in one's body. Yes. The, um, you know, only our authentic selves can be happy. And as long as we are running from ourselves, harming our body, using sex to harm self or others, we are not at home in our body. We are still pray to the to our upbringings to our history to our experiences and so until we can heal the hurts of our body in our body we're always going to be vulnerable to isolation loneliness and um being uh, uh misused by others i have and you <laughs> sorry i have discovered <laughs> yeah I, 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 I and i have as well and i think what's interesting about what you're saying is that to um to be isolated and lonely is very different from being alone and being comfortable with being alone whether it's in one's yes. skin or with oneself even sexually yes absolutely you know nobody else can make us happy we could only be ha we could only make ourselves happy and again until we come up with self acceptance until we come up with whatever we have to do to be able to calmly be with ourselves without having to be drunk, without having to be high, without having to constantly distract ourselves with people, things, relationships, bright, new, shiny, we will be stuck in a cycle of um, unhappiness. I mean, it, it just is it's inevitable. Agreed. Um, what do you find are some of the most common cravings that never get fulfilled, the longings that we never uh, tap into? I think the long, the, the, the craving we never get fulfilled um, unless we were exceptionally well-parented is the craving for total, unconditional love and acceptance just as we are in this very moment. And if we were not able to get that from our caregivers as children, we are left trying to make it work as adults, um, which is very, very difficult. So, you know, that translates to, oh, I wish I had someone to love me. Oh, I wish I had a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Oh, I wish I looked a different way or I wish I, and they, and they fill in the blank. Um, so people, people don't understand where their cravings come from because it comes from a place before words. It comes from a place before we understood what, what was happening to us, and so we are constantly wondering, you know, why can't I figure this out? I'm smart. Why can't I be happy? 
because somewhere deep in the back of your brain, you don't think that you're okay because that's not the message you got physically. I mean, I can tell you all day, you're so great, you're so great, but if you don't believe it, I'm just blowing air out my butt. So yeah. until we can believe it in our bones, in our skin, it was just empty words. And so that is the thing that the, the number one craving is for love and acceptance. And it really goes down to a, a very primal and visceral level of yeah. Yeah. nurturing, oh, know. you know, feeling as though that we are nurtured, cared for, and, and accepted. And valuable and desired and important to somebody. And the most important thing is an infant needs is a caregiver who thinks that that baby is the most important and best baby in the whole world. And um, because that's all the babies need. And most babies don't get it for whatever reason. Uh, most parents don't mean to not give that to their children. Most parents would like to and don't know how themselves. So we have the blind leading the blind often. And when it comes to our sexuality and the expression of what makes us tick in this way, the, there is nothing more of a turn on than being desired. I don't know of anybody Absolutely. who's not turned on by somebody else wanting them. Yes, correct. Because it's a validation, and it's you know the, the pheromones in the air, the chemical attraction, or the electrical zing between people, um, and to have that reciprocated is the most delightful feeling in the world. One of the most painful feelings in the world is desiring somebody who doesn't desire you back. And so, again, it comes down to our relationship with with ourselves. And the secret to desire not leading to unhappiness, I come from a Buddhist background where, you know, desire equals suffering. And it's not the desire so much that will lead to suffering, but it is attaching an outcome to the, the desire. So I have taught myself over many painful years that I can desire somebody and be perfectly happy if I never get to be with them sexually. Because the desire is what's making me happy. I look at a person and go, oh my God, they're so attractive. I think they're hot. And that gives me a little, you know, tickly thrill in my tummy, and I'm good. I don't have to try to follow through. I don't have to try to make it real. Because most of the time, they're not available. They're mated. They don't, they're not into what we're into. They're not geographically nearby. And so many people, they, they want a thing. They want a person, and they're so unhappy. They can't have that person. So they're using desire to punish themselves and to continue causing themselves pain and distress. And once I discovered that desire, as an all is my responsibility and my experience, so if I'm taking responsibility for my experience 100% of the time, then I can desire whatever I want, not have to have it, and the desire still can make me happy. So my heart is being happiness. I, I can be happy with the thought of the ice cream. I can be happy with the thought of the partner and not have to go through the messiness of trying to actually make it real when reality, of course, comes crashing in on your good time. Uh, so that, that was a trick I learned and very happy to do so. This is a very important um, discovery tip, key to uh, sustainable well-being and happiness, I think, because just like um, the negative emotions that we experience, sadness, grief, loss, depression, etc., those are constructs of the waves that come in and out of our, our mind and our consciousness. And what I hear you saying about desire 
it is the flip side of the coin that when we can become sort of the witness to what it is we want or what it is we think we desire and have no expectation, we can just sort of marinate and stew in the juices of that positive feeling without having to, having the need to act upon it. Exactly. And that's a very Buddhist concept. Um, yes, uh, it is. Uh, let's see. That's a very Buddhist concept, the idea of non-attachment, um, non-attainment of, of, the, of the desire. Um, you know, grief, all feeling states are transient. They act on a bell curve. And so when we can fully experience our feelings, then they, they go. I mean, my father died a few years back, and I was fully able to grieve that very night. I was alone with his body, and I just gave myself over to all the weeping and wailing that one would do when one loses a beloved parent, and I haven't had to cry since because I didn't have, I didn't have to deny any part of my grief. I could experience it all, and once, you, once the body experiences a thing, it has it. It doesn't have to do anything with it anymore. And when we don't let ourselves feel fully anger, grief, whatever, pick a feeling, um, then it sticks around until we can process it. And so we process our feelings through the body. That's what they call feelings and not thoughts. We feel them. And so, again, when you can be in your body and fully feeling what it is you're feeling, then you can um, have the full experience and let it go. And it doesn't linger. Nina, we are going to need to jump to a break. And when we return, we are going to carry on the conversation about desire, about sexuality, about cravings. To learn more about Nina Hartley, please visit www.nina.com. And on Twitter, she is at the handle Nina Land. Here come those two. We'll be right back. like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Wow. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. So good. 
Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this podcast and pay it forward with a good share. Why? Because we are talking with Nina Hartley about desire, cravings, our sexuality, and how they are a reflection of actually where we are in consciousness. So Nina, before the break, we were talking about desire and being able to really um, uh, embrace the sense and feeling of desire without necessarily having to act on it. Can you talk a little bit about how you recommend people to cultivate a healthy sexual practice and expression of desire? Um, I first would recommend starting with a mindfulness practice, um, any, any technique, yoga, meditation, prayer that helps us, helps us remain still within our bodies without abandoning ourselves so we can take a look at what's going on. Uh, most of us are so, so eager to get away from quote-unquote bad feelings or quote-unquote negative feelings that we don't stay put long enough to look at what's going on here. What do I actually need? Can I give it to myself? And Mm -hmm. so um, often our painful experiences in life end up encouraging us to look for solutions or coping mechanisms. Again, therapy, prayer, meditation, um, yoga, massage, exercise, those kinds of things. But I'm I'm always going to come back to the idea of um, learning how to be in our bodies, in them. And so sometimes our bodies are not going to be happy. We're going to be grieving. We're going to be angry. And sometimes our bodies are going to be very happy, and we want to be there too. Um, so any, any modality, any therapy, any spiritual practice that just helps us calm down, slow down, be here is encouraged. And one of the reasons I like sex practice so much for this is because learning how to recalibrate our our relationship to pleasure is in and of itself transformative because when we use our body to confront the lessons our bodies have absorbed from our culture and seek consciously to transform that lesson it is it is um it's mind-blowing it's just crazy how it works how well it works and what's beautiful about what you describe is it is the expression of our sexuality in of itself becomes a very mindful practice. Absolutely. That when we, yeah, I was going to say, when we come from this place, it becomes spot-on mindful. Exactly. So, you know, when I, when I talk about this, I say um, that, you know, the, the, the experience of pleasure is both the car and the road. It, it is the carrot and the stick. It's the engine and the gas. It is the alpha and the omega. And I'm not talking about just mindlessly trying to get more greedy pleasure, but mindfully experiencing the pleasure that our body can um, facilitate. And when we do it mindfully, paying attention to how it feels to feel this good and what emotions is it coming up in me and what am, what is it, what memories are being revealed and how we self-talk to, our, to ourselves when doing mindful pleasure is how we were taught to feel about our body. So even if we don't remember words from our parents, this is good, this is bad, the resistance in our bodies to experiencing consensual, safe pleasure alone in a room tells us everything we need to know about our own history. We are often told, and many of us have this programming from when we are young, that we should fight our 
cravings. How do you find this affects us when it comes to our sexuality, our relationships? You know, this is really a big deal. It's a big deal, and I find it very damaging. Um, again, the idea of fighting our cravings comes from the Abrahamic concept in the West of um, the body being based and only spiritual pursuits being so-called pure or godly. And I'm not a God believer, but, okay, but God gave us these, this capacity for pleasure, and they say, yes, it's only for within marriage. But we forget that we are, before we are human, we're animals. We're human animals. And desire is messy. Desire is, is, um, can be chaotic. It can be anarchic. And so the people fear pleasure and they fear giving in to their craving because they think, oh my God, if I say yes once, I'll never stop. I'll, I'll, I'll want to be with all the boys or all the girls and, I'll, and I will never get any work done and I'll just, I'll just go crazy with it. And that is a fear that's been put into people because sexual pleasure, as you know, is an altered state of consciousness. And it can be very, very invigorating and very scary. And so many people are frightened, and they want to not be too worked up over things. So when we fight our cravings, for me, it's not that it's fighting my cravings. It's like, how may I, how can I acknowledge them, accept them, and then find safe ways to express the ones that are in keeping with my value system? I have plenty of cravings I do not actually try to make real because... They don't fit with my, with my values, but they can live in my mind. And then the difference between a thought and an action. I, I yeah. permit myself to think anything I want. I do not permit myself to do anything I want, but I permit myself to think anything I want. And thought is not action. So as long as my actions are in keeping with keeping myself and everyone else around me safe and secure, then I don't worry about my cravings. I just make sure that I never act them out non-consensually. You say something very, very important about in keeping with my, your values or in keeping in, within one's values. I think this is uh, comes down to integrity. It comes at, down to operating earnestly in addition to honestly. You know, earnest is, a, is something very, very different. You know, it's with a sincerity and integrity level that maybe goes a little bit uh, further than just truth-telling. Yes, you know, my, 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 values, my values say that I can engage in any kind of consensual activity I want with other adults, the operative word being consensual. So I make sure that if I want to do behavior A, that I will gather around me people who either are interested in behavior A, like it already, or want, I can teach you more about it. And so I, I, don't do, I don't do behavior A with people who hate behavior A because why would I bother? Why would we do that at all? And as I've gotten better at this, um, I tell people I no longer have, quote-unquote, bad sex. I rarely have awkward or embarrassing sexual moments anymore where I used to have them all the time before I was clear about my desires, before I was clear about my own responsibility, before I was clear about setting boundaries and negotiating properly. I had all kinds of sexual embarrassments, awkwardnesses, hurt feelings, missed messages, miscommunications, what's wrong with me. And I don't have that anymore because sex behavior can be a part of your spiritual practice. Um, and uh, anybody who believes in, you know, faithful monogamy after marriage would understand this. For those people, the expression of the sexuality is sanctified by marriage under God. And so within that, within the 
safety of the sanctified relationship, they can have whatever behavior they wish because it is expressing their belief system. Um, anybody can do that. Anybody who is good at ethical non-monogamy and non-ethical non-monogamy. You can have ethical monogamy and they can have lying and cheating. So it is um, absolutely possible to create for yourself a sexual life that is rich and diverse, satisfying, and completely in accordance with your own value system and faith practice, if you so care to do that. How, let's, let, let me just back up for one second and talk about when cravings go too far and how does one regulate one's cravings? Is it simply a matter of willpower or is there something else that needs to happen in order to um, keep oneself in check? Well, for me, I don't find, for me, the, the problem or the issue is never cravings. It is acting on them. So I crave whatever I want. Now, if the craving is overtaking my thought process, it is filling my waking hour, if I'm feeling in a burning desire in my body and it's driving me crazy, then it is never, um, going back to Buddhism, it's never about the object, it's about the process. So in, you know, craving, insert sex, drugs, food, money, status, objects, it's the sensation of craving, the physical feeling in your body, the emotional state that you are in when you are in the grip of a craving that feels out of control. So then we have to step back, breathe, meditate, pray, calm down, go to a small room, hit yourself again in a padded, in a padded wall until it goes away. <laughs> but the cravings, cravings it, it feels like, oh, I must act on this, but my actions are my, under my control. So what excuse am I giving to myself or, quote-unquote, giving into the craving again and again and again. What am I telling myself that, okay, I can do it this time, even when I hate myself after? Because there's a process going on. It's never about the object or the, the desired or craved object slash behavior. It's always about the internal process. What is it really saying to you about your inner, internal life? And when the craving becomes an addiction or is unable to be harnessed, whether it's a sexual of a sexual nature or otherwise, another substance, um, then the work, the work to be done in, in my observation, cause I work with addiction all the time becomes on a soul level. It's not about Absolutely. what one becomes addicted to. Absolutely. Addiction is always about the process, not about the, not about the, um, object slash desire slash substance. Um, all of our emotional states are internal to us and they are under our, um, if the emotions are under our control, our behavior is under our control, and our response to the painful emotion is certainly under our control if we care to. But often, it's so when we, when we feel out of control of our cravings or addictions, un, unlocking and healing the underlying pain of them is so difficult for most people that they often have to, quote-unquote, hit bottom before they'll even look. They have to get very close to the edge. They have to lose their family, lose their relationship, lose their status, lose something important to them before they'll stop and go, okay, I guess I better deal with this broken leg. Um, and I had my, my hitting bottom with my emotional problems um, was, were higher than other people. I was never homeless, but I did hit bottom about, oh, my gosh, 15, 16 years ago, oh, 20 years ago when I realized how my unexamined, uh, craving for acceptance or craving for um, my partner to be different were undermining my ability to live. 
And it was very embarrassing. It's, it's very humiliating to admit that, you know, you're out of control and that you need, yeah, that you need help with handling this. Um, for me, therapy was a wonderful tool. Other people use other, other methods. But our internal environment and our internal dialogue is ours. And I cannot say, you're making me unhappy. I can say, wow, your behavior is revealing to me things I did not know were inside of me. Thank you so much. But I yes. can't say, you stop that so I can feel better. Ah, the gifts. The gifts of love, relationship, cravings, desire, sexuality. We are out of time, and I want to thank Nina Hartley for being with us. To learn more, please visit www.nina.com and on Twitter with the handle at NinaLand. Here are a couple of thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my amazing guest today, Alex Jameson and Nina, and Nina Hartley, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And a quick shout out to our producers. We thank you for making us shine each and every week. Go out and make it a spectacular day. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts available at iTunes. To learn more about Lisa's filmography, felicitation, and philanthropy, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Each week, Harvesting Happiness presents engaging trendsetters, exploring our world through science, art, medicine, media, music, philosophy, politics, and the human heart, whose perspectives on life are sure to inspire, provoke, and engage. Lisa's diverse guests are a proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Like Lisa says, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following us on Twitter at hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Then join us again next week at this same time on the Toginet Radio Network.